No question for you, Pat. Yeah? And please answer this as a fact. Is the universe expanding? Uh, is it ex- is this expansion accelerating or decelerating? Just as oh, a point I think like last I'd heard it was accelerating, but I don't know. They're always changing these things, aren't they? Yeah, the universe never makes up its bloody mind. But like at, at first I was like, oh, uh, at first they were like, well, the universe is accelerating. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. Oh, oh my God, I'll, I'll get a tattooed on, on my back so that I always remember that fact. And then, and then the next day they're like, coffee's bad for you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn it, science, make up your mind. And, really, and everyone, really everyone, back. everyone was like, you know, Pat, this tattoo will be on your back for the rest of your life. And your response was, yeah, but science told me, so it's no, true. No, but then, then they, but then they come <laughs> out, and this helps put everything into context. Robert Pattinson and Kirsten Stewart break up because she cheated on him because she's a dirty whore. Oh, that that needs to be. And you're like, wow, you know, I I was worried about their universe accelerating, but how can I worry about that in a world where Robert Pattinson gets cheated on by Kirsten Stewart? Internet's go-to source for fantasy and science fiction information. I'm your host, Brian. Uh, and with me, I have Eric. Yes, yeah, Squaz Club. And then in San Francisco, we've got Patrick. Squaz Club. Apparently, Patrick is on a delay. All right, where are my dragons at? Eric. Okay, I'm really excited to tell you about my dragon this week. Is it the same fucking book as last week? It's because it's a new... It's a different... Well, actually, I was going to talk about that book as well. But I have another thing, which is... Uh, actually, am I allowed to talk about other podcasts on this Sure, podcast? yeah, whatever. Okay, do you guys ever listen to Podcastle? Oh, with uh, Kevin Smith? Eh? Uh, I don't In think so. In that case, no. <laughs> Podcastle is just like a... It's like a weekly... They do a weekly like sci-fi fantasy reading. Actually, the sci-fi one is called... Escape pod. But anyway. Hmm, it sounds like they've been ripping off the club. internet's Hunter. number one source for uh, sci-fi fantasy information, Squires Club. Never mind. Proceed. Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I uh, talk about your shitty other, other club that you're in. <laughs> Podcastle is also a good <laughs> source for sci-fi fantasy. Sorry about this. Anyway. Do you have other friends you want to talk about? A story read called Hunter and Aaron Keen, and it's, it's really amazing. It's by Daniel Abraham, who is one of the authors that makes up James S.A. Corey, the Leviathan Wakes crowd. Say that and name again. I, I don't know. I've never met anyone named James before. <laughs> but James <laughs> S.A. Corey. Uh, and the story is incredible. It kind of starts off slow. It's sort of a... I was surprised by it for a few reasons because, first of all, it's in first person, and I hate first person, but I was loving it. It worked really well. And um, that's the main thing. But it has, like, a lot of backstory, which I kind of wish was actually 
part of the larger story. So I think it could be a good novel, but it sort of builds up. It has this sort of double cross revenge climax that is staggering. It was incredible. I really recommend it. Uh, a hunter and Aaron Keane. Patrick, where are my dragons at? I hate first person too, unless it's good. Um, I have two two things. I have a short story that happened to me this week, and then uh, and then and then I'll tell you what I'm reading. The short story was that I was walking home with um, uh, Sir Frank and Sir Nat, and we saw uh, in this intersection a bus and a train were both stopped, and we got closer and we realized that there was this dude who was kind of uh, hunkered over, and he was like attacking both the bus and the train. He was, like, kicking them and spitting on them. And in his hands, he held, in his left hand, he had a dozen cupcakes. In his right hand, he had a knife, and he was stabbing the tires. So, question, hero or villain? Ooh. Um, were the bus and the train trying to rob a bank, or were they trying to stop him from robbing a bank? They were, they were just uh, doing their thing. They were just being good buses and good trains. Well, here's the thing. If he's got cupcakes, he's obviously, you know, going to give them to somebody, right? People don't yeah. usually just, like, get cupcakes from themselves. That's what I thought. He's, and like, so he's a like, a little oh, red riding hood. Yeah, so he's on his way. And then, like, this bus and this train, like, obviously ganged up on him and tried to get him from, you know, keep, keep him from getting to his sweetheart. Like the wolf. sweeter. Or his grandmother. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of public transit in general. I've noticed that bus drivers... Are get really angry really easily and uh train drivers probably have the easiest job in the world so i'm gonna have to say superhero ah interesting eric no i think he's a villain i think anyone that is involved in any kind of stabbing action is a villain indeed he was a villain eric wins uh (laughs) and uh what i read this week was uh habibi uh a graphic novel by craig thompson uh, who also did blankets uh, it, it was uh, really good. It was it, more of a serious book. It tackles some kind of um, you know like ser- more, more serious issues. Uh, but the, it's about um, it's like a, an Islamic fairy tale, and uh, it takes place in modern day. And it's like the story of these uh, two, this girl and this boy. Uh, Dadola is the girl, and Zam is the boy, and they're like escaped child slaves, and they spend like. They like spend like eight eight or so years together in the desert because uh, they've run away and and then they wind up getting separated due to circumstances beyond their control, and then um, they go through a bunch of hardships and they uh, w- they wind up t- together again in the end. But it's like really complicated. Anyway, it was um, an enjoyable read. I liked it. It's kind of sad but uh, good, and uh, it really made me want to go and build a fort in the desert. It's that book. If I remember correctly, that book is really, really thick. Like, how long did it take you to read it? Uh, I don't know. Like, maybe um, I, I don't. I don't know. A couple hours or something. Like, really? Or, wow. Well, I maybe thought, one, like more than one. No, day. longer than that. I mean, like, it's it's like um, there, there's more pictures than words. Like, like even more so than a typical graphic novel. You know. Which country is it in? Does it seem like it doesn't possible seem or? Like- he he uh, specifically says it's it, like avoids saying it's like he doesn't say it's like the Middle East or anything like that. He just says it's like a uh, fairy tale landscape. Um, I think he wanted to explore this idea of um, you know Islamic uh, an Islam influenced story, um, but he doesn't like talk about any specific countries. Hmm. Interesting. So did you did you uh, find anything offensive about it? 
Uh, no, I mean, like it's you know, it's like I, I wouldn't recommend it uh, to you know my uh, my my parents to read. You know, like it's you know, there's uh, so you know, like like rape and stuff. Like you know, it's it's not um, you know, it's not for light reading, mm-hmm. but. But I, I didn't find it offensive. I remember when when it when it came out. Like I haven't read this book yet, I've, but uh, you've sold me on it, Pat. I'm going to read it. But when it, there's uh, some, I remember at least one or two people sort of wrote some articles about how they were a little offended about uh, the book. Kind of uh, perpetuated certain sort of old timey Oriental myths, I guess, if that's the right way to put it. But you I, can see, I, I can see that. I, I can see that. Like, I, don't, I don't know enough about um, Islam to, you know, uh, like I, I feel like I'm not really the right person to ask about that, but but I could definitely see that being a valid... Uh, Does it hold up to the lofty standards of that famous docudrama, Aladdin? <laughs> I don't know. That's, enti- that's, that's, that's more non-fiction, and, whereas this is uh, fiction. <laughs> I suddenly want to know, do you, it was, you maybe mentioned this, but is the author Islamic? No. No, he's, uh, he's a, I don't know, Midwestern white dude. Have you- and, so, and so, Brian, is that the source of your, of those criticisms from those articles that this guy is a whitey trying to yeah no i would say that exercise some other culture that kind of thing yeah no i definitely say that you know if they if he was uh from islam he probably would not be getting this kind of criticism but the thing is he's like you know he's well known for you know he worked on this book for uh he's the guy you ever read blankets you guys ever read blankets he did another he did another really big anyway he's been basically been working on this ever since he worked uh published blankets almost 10 years ago so we definitely yeah. put a lot of thought into it. So anyway, uh, I, and, and presumably a lot of research. Mm-hmm. He didn't just like yeah, he watched Aladdin like apparently like every single day while he was working on it. <laughs> it, it seemed like it was well researched. I mean, I don't know how much of it was like um, you know accurate, but he talks a lot about like the uh, Arabic a- alphabet and like um, you know what certain characters mean and stuff. Like he's obviously tried to add some kind of depth based on on uh, you know facts. Hmm. Nice. Sweet. Okay, cool. Brian, where are my dragons at? Well, I've been reading, I just finished reading a book called The Drowned Cities. It's the sequel uh, to a book called uh, Shipbreakers, which is set in a sort of post-apocalyptic future, uh, where North America has sort of like been devastated with uh, floods and a uh, totally failing economy. And that book, that book's really interesting because it's set like on the Gulf Coast, where people are, you know, sort of living in these shanty towns, uh, stripping like washed up uh, tankers for giant corporations, which are sort of based out of India and China. The sequel is set in what are called the Drowned Cities, which I believe is sort of like in the, the Maryland, uh, sort of like East Coast New York uh, a- area. And it's about this girl who, uh, she uh, she also lives in a shanty town. Uh, but uh, in, in this particular area is actually being fought over by, by about four or five different kind of like warlords. And so what happens, these warlords have started using ch- child soldiers to sort of fight over the U.S. Um, and this girl suddenly has an opportunity to try and escape this by uh, helping to bring back this, uh, they're called dogmen. And they're these men that have uh, genes of like 10 different kinds of animals. And so they're ferocious killing machines. And she finds one uh, like in a swamp. And she thinks that if she can bring this dog back to life, um, you know, maybe she can use it to sort of like help... Uh, you know, stave off, uh, like vicious child soldiers and sort of like these marauding warlord armies. But, uh, what she doesn't know is whether she can control this dog once she brings it back to life. But it's sort of like this really interesting kind of look at what life must be like in a sort of like a conflict zone. 
uh, where, you know, you have, like, these sort of, like, different warring factions where they're sort of, like, you know, they may have started off with, like, some sort of noble cause, but because, you know, one of them starts using, like, an underhanded trick, then they all have to do that, and before you know it, everyone's using, like, child soldiers between the ages of 12 and up or whatever, and it's a sort of, like, how, sort of a look at how life would be like in North America uh, should it ever become a conflict zone like that, and I really enjoyed it, so I think you should all read it. I like the dog boy connection with riffs. Excellent. It has nothing to do with riffs. It's totally different. Uh, hold on. Dystopia. Genetic engineering. Yeah. Conflict. And, and glitter boys. <laughs> Pat, I think you I might have heard, heard something about Pat to Jerry's in there. Uh, Pat, you still there? Or did we lose you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm here. Uh, yep. I also am excited about dog boy. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's let's go to the fantasy update. Um, okay, uh, we'll go with you, Eric. What's your news story? I want to go with the... Um, who was it? Orson Welles? No. Let me just check my... Uh, check out here. And there's something about Ray Bradbury. Yes, being a communist. And uh, the story seems to be talking about um, the U.S... House on Un-American Activities Committee investigated Ray Bradbury, and he basically denounced it as ridiculous, which I haven't read the whole story, but I like that bit of it because the House of Un-American Activities Committee was ridiculous, and it was really like uh, stripping away the rights of a lot of people and basically blacklisting all kinds of regular Americans. Hey, Pat, that sounds like commie talk. Let's get him. Yeah, uh, tough, tough crowd here today on the Squares <laughs> Club podcast. It's um, sorry, I thought you said Cami Tuck, uh, you know, the character from Street Fighter. <laughs> I thought you were talking about those those cool pants that I like to wear when I'm hunting. <laughs> Khakis, Cami, camo pants. <laughs> sorry, uh, Eric, uh, please proceed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I had covered as much as I had read anyway. So, sorry, Eric, go on about uh, khakis. <laughs> The so house, during, yeah, it was the house. During the Cold War, a particular type of pants were very popular. Yeah, no, but, but, but khakis. Pat, quit interrupting me. Eric, Eric is getting to the house of un-American apparel. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> okay, uh, Brian, what's my uh, fantasy update? Okay, I am very excited about this. Boingboing.net, <clears throat> a very hip, uh, famous hipster website that everyone goes to. I go to it. Uh, we'll be publishing the latest ElfQuest story by Richard and Wendy Penny, uh, one page at a time, uh, weekly. And so they're picking up wherever the last story ended. I'm not really sure where it ended, but all I know is it's going to have lots of elves, and it's going to be called The Final Quest. Um, I talk about ElfQuest a lot because it's probably one of my favorite series. Um, it's probably the first place where I saw an orgy in a book four. This is crazy orgy, and I remember reading that book uh, in my friend Alex Flanagan's house, and I remember being really worried that I was going to get caught. But, uh, yeah. Who here's read ElfQuest? Yeah, woo! Uh, but this is amazing. They haven't published anything in, like, six or seven years. Who is he talking about? Uh, I, I, read, I read that page in... in um, uh, Tam says something about his... Uh, uh, his son with round, round ears? Round-eared? Oh, I didn't read the page or anything. Oh. <laughs> what? I thought it was your favorite series. <laughs> I know it is. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm raising a kid here, man. A kid <laughs> called Squires Club. Well, you can link to the stories, but you can't open them. 
Dude, I was like, I, like I got, to L4, I got to L4G and I just went to like blissful nostalgia. Because like they do yeah. mention that in that page though, don't they? <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's insinuated. He has a son and a daughter. His seven, son is called something. Sunshine or something? Sunspot? There's a there's an elf in the back, a lady elf in the background wearing a see-through dress. So that's, that's all you need to know. Sweet. So uh, did you have an elf quest question, Pat? Ask me anything. I know everything about elf quest. Oh, okay. What's Tam's real name? Skywise. No, ah, Cutter. Cutter <laughs> is his. <laughs> I feel kind of bad using his uh, soul name. Yeah, you sure. You're giving away. Podcast. We should really. We should we should only refer to him as. Cutter. Well, can you Eric, edit that and uh, copy copy Cutter over top every time we use Tam? <laughs> Eric kind of set a precedent though when he revealed his soul name, aka his Facebook password at the beginning of the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it was just like a what word was it? Oh, never mind. <laughs> it, was my, never it was my mind. old. Oh, never mind. <laughs> we named it after the Nirvana album. Wait Woo! a second. Is this okay. story about why the last man? Just talking about making the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's been sort of an. Uh, for those of you listening, tuning in, what happens? I send out a list of uh, news stories, uh, and then you know, in the past, I would just sort of read them all, and everyone would be like, "Ah, no one gives a shit." So now, uh, I give everybody a list of stories we can choose from. What Eric's doing is he's reading one that says why the last man could happen. Uh, and just and to qualify, the reason I brought it up is. Who wrote? Who writes the little taglines at the beginning? Do you write uh, that? Uh, some really smart dude. It's probably yeah. So probably pretty it, handsome. It, it seems it implies to me that the premise of why the last man could happen. <laughs> no, no, it was just <laughs> like, a movie. I thought maybe it was like a story on like the new scientist about <laughs> how there is a genetic, you know, component to killing off all. <laughs> Why chromas? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but ha- having it made into a movie is also very exciting. Apparently, Shia LaBeouf—they were talking about making him uh, York in that movie for a while. Uh, I hate him, man. If I but was, no, the, but now, but now he's LaBeouf was the last man. I'd kill him. <laughs> no, no, I, no I, but I was, he's too old now. Shia, Shia LaBeouf would go, get in a movie with uh, uh, what's his face? Who's, who's the other guy? I hate. Yeah, well, actually, apparently Jay Baruchel uh, might yeah, be... Yeah, Jay Baruchel and Shay LaBeouf should get in a movie together, and then and then we should take that movie and dump it in a lava pit. <laughs> <laughs> Why the last two men, Shay LaBeouf and Jay Baruchel? <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, Pat, mm-hmm. have you heard of this movie, Lawless? No, what's that? Uh, it's a new movie about Prohibition. It's fucking awesome. And Shay LaBeouf is... Kind of the protagonist. Uh, why, would you, why would you? Why would you start selling me on something great and then just ruin it by mentioning who's in it? Trust me, you got to just give it a try. That's all I'm saying. Oh man, that's, have you- that's what people said about Indiana Jones Four. <laughs> just, well, just give it a try. It won't make you feel dirty and shameful. Who said that? And why do you trust them at all? Have you guys heard about this new movie, Rocky versus Dogman? Dogman? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you guys were excited about Dogman. <laughs> I was about to go like get really excited about yeah. Oops, yeah. Well, I have a story that uh, that I I found very interesting. Okay, what is it? My story is about Benedict Cumberbank, but Cumberbatch, and he's a <clears throat> he's a villain in the new uh, Star Trek movie. And there's been very little known about it because J.J. Abrams is very secretive and has a lot of secrets. And so uh, so he won't really say, like, like who Benedict is playing except that he's he's a villain. And everyone keeps asking Benedict, oh, are you playing Khan? Are you going to be Khan? 
and uh, and he keeps on just saying like, no, I can't say anything. But recently, he slipped up in an interview, and his response was, "I'll tell you this." Oh uh, wait, how does he talk? I'll tell you this. <laughs> it's iconic and it's exciting. I'm bored of denying that it's con now because people keep saying it. So Benedict. The question is, is he actually playing Khan? Well, I did a little investigating myself, and I started thinking about the name of the new film, which is Into Darkness, it's going to be called. and or, Well, Star Trek, Into Darkness. No colon. And, uh, uh, and I started doing some research and typing stuff into the computer, and up came TNG episode Night Terrors, which is, is named similarly Night Terrors, Into Darkness, and in Night Terrors, everyone's tired and can't sleep, except for Deanna Troy. I remember so, that one. So yeah. what did Benedict say? He said, I'll tell you this. I'm bored of denying because people keep saying it because he's tired, right? I posit that Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> will be playing an evil Deanna Troy. You heard it here, folks. Uh, Pat Tucky has decoded Star Trek into the dark hole. And... Uh, we now know that Benedict Cumberbatch is now going to be Genghis Khan. <laughs> You're here, folks. So, is that your news story? Yeah. Do you, do you, have, you said you mentioned you had some other talking points. Do they involve uh, news stories? Um. Uh. Well, uh, it's a uh, just a pitch. All right. Here. Okay. We're moving on. We're, oh, actually, here. Uh, let's go to Ask the Wizards. Let me just open up my email here. Uh, I hate to derail everything but before we move on can i ask a supplementary question about the last segment uh certainly is this, is, is, this, Khan... is, this about, is this about something that you want to do right now <laughs> <laughs> if i were to put a number on between one and two <laughs> uh where would you uh rank uh, what you want to do i would have to go with a which which star trek was con in the first <laughs> I want to know if he's... What is that... What's the meaning of his name? Is he actually a Mongol? What? No, to, no, he was like... He's supposed to be, to be really Indian. His name was like Sunyan Khan. He's supposed to be like uh, East Indian. Okay, yeah. That was sort of what else I was thinking. Back then, like, all you had to do to like, be East Indian on TV was like paint yourself gold and like give yourself like eye shadow. But I thought also maybe that... <laughs> Much like most other, like lots of other villains in Star Trek, he's actually, he just is Indian, but that makes him another race in Star Trek. What? You know, like, wasn't there an episode of Star Trek where all the aliens were just black people? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with this race of Star Trek that apparently <laughs> Yeah, so Star Trek's actually pretty utopian. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very advanced society, Eric. I think you should yeah, just leave your prejudices robots. behind. Okay, so is Khan a human in the Revenge of Khan? Or yeah, is he, he, well, he's he's remember, like uh, he, he's part of like this race of genetically engineered people to be superhumans, right? And so, and then they got exiled, and then they woke up somewhere, uh, and then spoiler alert, Kirk found them, and then spoiler alert, Kirk won, but then Spock died. Oh, man, shitty. Con. Okay, well, I guess it's me that's racist. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, there was an episode. <laughs> that episode was crazy, actually, because like, they all, like, not only were they all Eric, black people, Eric, they, that's they all... not why you're racist. Oh, why is he racist? For all the other reasons. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because of all the other ethnicities that I hate. <laughs> okay. So, because, uh, you know, it's fall, and, you know, there's going to be, like, these new uh, fall series TV shows coming up, 
you know, and maybe in a future episode we'll have like a draft for like or a tournament for the uh, the fall shows. Uh, but you know, people generally have to like pitch shows. So what we're going to do, oh, actually, wait a minute. I'm going to segue into this question we received from a longtime listener. Uh, oh, Dear like Squares Club. Question. Ah, go on. Longtime listener. First time emailer here. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, question for the Squires. How would you spin off Star Trek The Next Generation as a sitcom? Sorry. Oh, great question. Change Methodical. Great Change question. Methodical. Why? Isn't that the band that was featured on CBC uh, Online Radio 3? Yeah, yeah. I think I heard them on a tape. They're real, really good, I hear. What do you think of Change Methodical, Eric? I heard, uh, speaking of spinoffs, they have a great spinoff called Dance Methodical. Oh, Dance Methodical. Oh, th- I think that we featured them in the in our last... Did anybody listen to the last episode? With a name like that, I bet you they just make you dance. <laughs> uh, well, that's an interesting question, Change Methodical. Uh, I hope this is the first of many questions. Uh, we would love... To- how, here, I'll, I'll pitch it to uh, Eric first. Uh, how would you spin off the Star Trek Next Generation as a sitcom? Let's see. I think it would be some kind of bachelor pad with John Luke and Worf, maybe. And they go to a coffee shop. Okay, I'm just turning it into friends. Uh, let's see. Well, while you're thinking about that, Patrick, do you have an idea? Oh, interesting you should ask. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. In fact, in my head, I have a few bullet points. One second. Okay. <clears throat> the title of this show would be How I Met Your Motherboard. This, this is a sitcom about Data moving to the city to find love. The first season arc is about Data uh, failing a series of job interviews as he looks for work. Uh, due to his lack of personal skills and his tendency to list too many of his weaknesses when asked. Uh, Jordy is his goofy buddy, who's more interested in stamp collecting than babes, and they share a studio apartment together with a single twin bed, which leads to lots of hilarious situations. Well, in the first episode, Data falls in love with his next-door neighbor, but while he's trying to find out more about her, he and Jordy accidentally burn her apartment down and she has to move away. How I Met Your Motherboard. I give uh, is, it. Is it just, just Data and Jordy? <coughs> yeah. What else do you need? What about uh, Tashi Yar? I thought you would no, have definitely introduced no. a love interest immediately. No, no. Ta- well, you, ta- you can have a Tashi cameo. Yar. She could be like the president. We they can like, bring re- down Tashi Yar's supporters. Okay, okay. Dead. Dead. She's dead. Ah, she doesn't move away. She's dead. Yes. So she's like, she's like. She's like, like maybe maybe Data carries around a picture of her in his wallet, and that's why he, he keeps ruining his relationships with other girls. I think also there should be a character in there for Q. Like he's no, he's the boss of the no. law no. firm that Data finally gets a job at. No, I'm trying to make this a realistic sitcom. Q, Q could do anything. Man, like if if with with like these dramas, there always has to be like some kind of crazy twist, you know? Like in Dexter, he's a psychopath. In uh, in Homeland, she's a psychopath. <laughs> okay, Data's actually a psychopath. Hey, Brian, <laughs> I just like to describe what the com stands for in sitcom. Uh, how, how are you spelling? It doesn't com? stand for committed. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna. Okay, this is here's here. I'll, I'll start my my pitch off with a tagline. It's gonna be called. Uh, uh, okay, I didn't think of a tagline. Uh, so, Bender shows up to work late at Planet Express for the last time. He shows up, 
Hermes catches him trying to sneak in and fires him on the spot. Fry's sick of, like, Bender trying to sell his organs on the black market. Lita's tired of uh, him selling, like, naked pictures of her. And they finally kick him out. Bender's on the street. And he has nowhere left to go. And suddenly he remembers that he has a cousin he hasn't called in a while. Cut to the Starship Enterprise. Data is hard at work uh, with his cat, Sherbert, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he's, uh, you know, he's trying to answer some kind of important question. All of a sudden, his, uh, his beeper goes off. Bender's on the other line going, And Data's like, calm down, what's wrong? Bender explains to him that he's been fired, and Data's like, okay, fine, you can come crash at my place here on the Enterprise. Cut to Data's in a very important meeting uh, with the, uh, with the, you know, the ship's uh, senior crew, and all of a sudden, Bender bursts in with a Hawaiian shirt and two suitcases. And uh, the name of this show will be called Bots, so it'll be all about how Data's working really hard trying to advance his current Starfleet, but Bender keeps on screwing things up. Bots. Also, uh, Bender is a psychopath. Can, can I suggest one minor change, minor, yes. minor tweak? Yes. Can it be called butts? <laughs> That's no gold. Butts. Is it psycho butts? <laughs> uh, Eric, have you uh, written your uh, finished writing your your pitch and crayon there? <laughs> uh, no, I'm still stuck in the coffee shop. Why not the, do the coffee but shop? All right, here, let's I, I think maybe the coffee shop is going to be run by Q. <laughs> oh my! Uh, even, even though he still has all his powers, I'm not he watching this because you know he's trying to be cool. He doesn't want to like force people to think he's cool. Oh man! And like seven of nine is like you know she's like this poor struggling waitress, but uh, then someone you know, but she's also really hot, and Data really wants to you know. Everyone's always thinking, will they or won't they? Hmm. And then Bender is there? Sorry, this is your pitch. I'll, I'll back off. Oh, no. Uh, I think there could be, like, a triple crossover possibility here. So what's your show called? Uh, let's see. Space Friends? <laughs> Q's. Q's <laughs> P's and Q's. Peeps and Q's. Q's on the park. Sweet. Uh... Anybody else have anything to add to our our first ever sci-fi fantasy pitch-off? No? Okay. So the last thing I have here is the uh, the Hugo Award-winning books draft. So I figured we could do uh, four rounds. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you printed this off. All you have to do is, like, Google Hugo Award-winning uh, books. And we'll just pick... We'll do a draft for the best uh, Hugo Award-winning books. And I'll start by going first. Um, and I am going to pick, uh, so we'll do four rounds, and I am going to pick Neuromancer by, uh, I can't find, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pick, uh, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Boo! Um, never mind, I've, ne- I've never read it. Really? Oh, you just don't like it because he's Mormon. No, that would be <laughs> racist of me. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll do, snake, do it snake style, and uh, next pick we'll go to Eric. I want to go with Cat's Cradle, Kurt Vonnegut. What's that? What's that even about? It's about um, the Substance 9 or Super Glue 9 or something. There's like this substance that can freeze all the water in the world instantly, and it's actually also about 
this island nation in like the Caribbean that has a, a like a dictator and a high priest that are basically at war with each other, but they're perpetuating the war to maintain their own power, and it's like incredibly hilarious so satire. Where do the cats come in? Oh yeah, the cat's cradle is in the first scene. It's like you know, like the string. Oh, and well, then they kind of pretty a bunch. It's wonderful, but. Uh, yeah. Apparently I don't remember all the details, but <laughs> I remember laughing a lot. Um, Patrick. What? Uh, you gotta pick a book now. Oh, um, right, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, uh, um, hang on, I'm just getting to the bottom here. Uh, what was Eric's pick? Cat's Cradle. Uh, oh, wait, GK won it. Am I looking at the wrong list? Like, uh, where would you get the list? Did you get it from that that uh, that wiki link? Hugo Award. Yeah, best well, novel? yeah, you know, it's a Hugo Award for best novel, and then like all the ones that are in blue won it. Where do you get the other ones though? What do you mean? Well, what's the one Eric picked? Cat's hey, I think I picked one that didn't actually win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see Eric's on here. All right, maybe we'll do a draft another time. Um, I pick up Dance with Dragons. How did that win? This is a great book about two Islamic children who uh, <laughs> escaped from a, a life of slavery to live in the desert. Oh, Bone Shaker got nominated in 2010. That was a good book. It's about zombies in Seattle in a steampunk age. Um, okay, well, <laughs> this has been... Okay, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to pick again. I picked The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman, which is about... Wait, that's uh, not on here either. What, The Graveyard Book? What, where are you getting these? 2009, man. Oh, you can pick anything off any year? Yeah. Oh. Oh, you're just doing 2012? I misunderstood. I'm sorry. That's why I was confused about the whole thing. That's okay. So I'll put Dance with Dragons, which is about two Islamic children. Apparently we're picking any Hugo-nominated book that's won or uh, didn't win. Do we have to have read it? Uh, no. You don't have to do anything except pick something. Uh, okay, Pat, you get to pick again. I picked Slaughterhouse 5 by Kurt Vonnegut. Damn it, <laughs> <laughs> also known as the Children's Crusade. All right, Eric, what do you get? I guess I'll go with American Gods. Have you actually read that? Yeah. That's hey, a good Pat, book. Do you like Kurt Vonnegut? Uh, that's the only book I've read. No, that's a lie. I think I've read another one of his, but I can't remember what. Was I, is Slaughterhouse Five funny? That's um, kind of a silly question, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, boy, I can't remember. I, me- I remember like the general like plot of what happens, but I can't remember like. If I laughed or not, I think it's, like, it's like him and his like war buddy are talking in like his their library talking about like uh, the Dresden bombing, right? That was the basis of the whole thing. Dresden, was it? That's a funny topic. That always makes me laugh. It's been a while. Anyway, it was it was good, and there's there's like uh, you know some good quotes in it. Man, Cat's Cradle is fucking hilarious. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's a funny dude. I love it. Like when he just like shows pictures. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> my favorite quality in an author. <laughs> you know, well, these pictures are always just so weird to be like, so-and-so drew a picture of a penis. This is what it looked like. I don't know. There's a picture of a penis in Breakfast of Champions, and I thought that was really funny. You can't go, you can't go wrong with dong pictures. Uh, I'm going to pick the Doomsday Book by Connie Willis, which is this time travel story about going back to, like, uh, plague-ridden England. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. 
Actually, it doesn't really have that much sci-fi to it. And then I'm going to pick for my uh, for my third pick, I'm going to pick uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson. I think we should include the nominees, too. You know, we are doing nominees as well. Okay, excellent. Can I keep Cat's Cradle, then? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay, Eric. Uh, Eric, what do you got? I'm seeing lots of Harry Potter, but I don't notice the Half-Blood Prince. Is that on here anywhere? Because that's the best one. Uh, you could push Control-F. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your pick? Uh, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, how about... Oh, Feast for Crows. <laughs> <laughs> Would you pick that for real? Real, real original. <laughs> and so uh, enthusiastic. Is it my turn yet? Yeah, no. skip me. Give me a second. No, you gotta I pick. pick. I, you gotta I pick. Picked. Just pick one. Okay, Feast for Crows. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I picked Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. Okay, what's your next pick? Actually, what's that book even about? It's like uh, takes place in like the I don't know I want to say 19th century England, and it's about like it's super long, <laughs> but it's about uh, <laughs> there's some magicians in the world, and uh, this Jonathan Strange like starts to like learn a little bit about magic, and then he studies under uh, under Mister Norrell, and he like he like learns how to. Uh, do some spells and like there's some time travel involved and stuff. It's really complicated and long, but uh, I finished it. <laughs> so that's good. Riveting. Yeah. Okay, what's your last pick, Pat? Um, oh, bam, I got my next one. Wow, George R. R. Martin was nominated for a Hugo back in 1978. Really? Yeah, something called Dying of the Light. Did he win a pizza eating contest? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Did I say Hugo? I meant to say... Uh, what's a word that's for f- that synonym for food? Or he clearly food? wasn't into pizza as much back then. No, I guess so. Yeah, he... Actually, he might have been. What, did it, Was he healthy? It's hard to imagine. I don't know. It doesn't say in this Hugo nomination he had. <laughs> uh, what kind, of, what okay. kind of sci-fi podcast are we if we don't know... How heavy George R. R. Martin was in 1976. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I'm going to choose uh, the storyline of Zelda A Link to the Past. <laughs> Going off the board. Okay, Zelda. Okay, Eric, what's your uh, what's your next pick? Leviathan Lakes. Back to Daniel Abraham. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised you didn't go for uh, Harry Potter... And the crappy one. Oh, I didn't even control F the one I wanted yet. Hold on. Half blood prince. Okay, and for my final pick, I'm going to pick Cat's Cradle. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what? Who won it this year, anyway? That's a news story, right? We should have covered that. Among Others by Joe Walton. You ever heard of that book? Me neither. Um, oh, Connie Willis won last year. Um, I'm going to pick Bone Shaker by Cherry Priest. Um, okay, so here, here's what we got. Pat picked Dance of Dragons, Slaughterhouse-Five, Jonathan Strange, and Zelda. Uh, you get 100% strong, Pat. Strong team. 
Okay, Pat, Eric, Pat, Cat's Cradle. Pretty good. American Gods, pretty good. Feast for Crows, what the fuck? Whatever, and that's man. a good book. Feast for Crows? Man, I, yeah, I, I acknowledge that I'm the only one who likes it, but... No, I like that book, too. It's just, uh... You just don't like me. No, I just can't. like, you know, there's like lots of other books. You know, there's, you know, you could have picked, uh... The Lord of the Rings. Whatever, overrated. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you why I'm partial to Feast for Crows because George Martin signed my copy. Oh, oh, it's yeah. a strange bias. Mm-hmm. Oh, Storm of Swords. I should have went with that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, you ruined it by getting grease stains. <laughs> Actually, you know, I I, I had I had uh, my my paperback of Game of Thrones signed by him, and that I lent it to my wife's brother, and I was like. I never saw it again for a long time. Uh, but then I got it back. But I remember I was like, I would, whenever I would talk to him, I'd be like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, just get it back to me whenever you can. And I'd be like, ah, George, I run, touch that. But I got it back. <laughs> it was all good. So when I got it back, I uh, I ripped that page out and put it in a photo album. The one that he signed. Uh, cool story, Brian. Uh, I picked Ender's Game, Doomsday Book, Neuromancer, and Bone Shaker. Uh, two of my books uh, have female protagonists in it, so I guess I'm not sexist like you guys. Mine has a... Wait a second. Nope. Cat's Cradle? Yeah. Uh, Brian, Zelda? Hey, whatever. That's one of the best things about A Feast for Crows is Brian features so well in it. That's true, and they have all the all the Sand Snakes are in it, too, I guess. Bam. Feast for Crows is actually my favorite. It's where, like... Uh, Sand Snakes. I remember... Sand Snakes? <laughs> <laughs> A little alliteration. <laughs> um, all right, here. Let's, I'm gonna. We'll call this next section segment the uh, uh, "Ask Anybody Anything" segment. So, does anybody have any questions for anybody else? About what? Anything. <laughs> uh, good, question. Oh, good question, Patrick. Anything. Interesting. Um, Eric. Yeah. Uh, recently I was doing some research and discovered that chimpanzees pass down a secret handshake. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that subject? Yeah, since when do monkeys know how to do uh, handshakes, Eric? Well, I feel that there's a bit of a conflict in your two questions, but I'm going to be the bigger man and not draw attention to it. Eric, I, I taught a monkey recently how to do the cat's cradle. Are you familiar with that? <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a string? With substance nine? No, no, the cat's cradle, like, uh, like it, like it's, uh, you know, like you, you make a square with your fingers, and then, and then your partner, uh, takes those ropes and does something else, and then makes a little, tr- like, a triangle, and then you make diamonds and stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about, Brian? Brian? Yeah, no, well, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. You know, I bet, Eric, you know, like I remember, like girls would always do it in elementary school, and then there'd always be like this one dude who's friends with all the girls, and everyone would be like, ha, ah, look at that loser playing with the girls. Yeah. And then we go back to like, you know, wondering what the hell girls do. So we showed them, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. You're probably w- over there, like doing cat's cradle with the lunch. Lady oh, I thought there. that's what you're saying. That we were that. We were always that kid. You know, any 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 guy that makes it at Squires Club was uh, what hung out with girls. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't hang out with girls till I was like 25. <laughs> yeah, I was cool until uh, well into my 20s. Yep, <laughs> still cool uh, to this uh, day. Yeah, in fact. I was a nerdy girl lover right from the beginning. So, Eric, my question is, is it true that whales are better at cat's cradle than chimpanzees? Yeah. Interestingly enough, it is. You'd think they wouldn't be good at it with their 
lack of fingers and stuff. They do have finger bones, though, because they are mammals. They use their yep. baleen teeth. It's like a built-in cat's cradle. Fact. The sperm whale can dive over three kilometers deep. Fact. Sperm whales are not made of jizz. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> their heads are full of a oil that people really did think was sperm, though. <laughs> oh, is that why they're called sperm whales? Yeah, I think so. Ah. Fact. People in the 18th century thought about sperm a lot. Fact. People in the 18th century used perfume instead of soap to bathe. It was called ambergris. Sperm? No, the the whale perfume. Oh. Fact. <laughs> hey, what's that? What's that book about a whale? Uh, Jonah and the whale. Or oh, the Bible? I Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Fact. I purchased Moby Dick on Kindle, and I'm pretty sure I'm never gonna read it. <laughs> Fact. My. I remember like I really wanted to read Moby Dick after uh, I read Bone. Because, you know, there's, like, all those allusions to Moby Dick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think my brother bought it for me for Christmas one year, and I never read it. I still have it here somewhere, though. Hi, Fact. Mike. I tried... I've now tried twice to read Moby Dick, and I was derailed at the same place both times. Uh, fact! Uh, Eric, you get the final word. Fact! Herman Melville was writing by the letter. Or I should say, getting paid by it. By the letter? Oh, yeah. Or maybe by the word. Fact! Pat, you get the final word. Woody Cooper! Woody Cooper! Fact! Fact! Woody Cooper! Fact! I like the new Like, people would be so, like, like, do you think that people would be more obsessed with the fact that, that Kirsten Stewart had had cheated or the fact that Abraham Lincoln had been found alive? <laughs> or that she somehow had the power to reanimate long-dead corpses? Yeah, what, yeah. What, 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 they're, what, like, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did that. <laughs> guys, 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 I have, I have a sitcom idea here. Um, so Bella from Twilight meets Abraham Lincoln and he convinces her to leave Edward and they sleep together. But then it turns out it was actually Data from Star Trek in disguise the whole time. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought of a name for your sitcom. It's Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Homewrecker. <laughs> vampire Banger? <laughs> oh, no, she's not a vampire, though, is she? She's just a regular lady making regular lady decisions. Yep. Making Bad. regular lady babies.